Scaling your law firm doesn't have to be difficult. It's all about mastering a few key strategies, systems, and mindsets. Welcome to the Scalable Law Podcast, where we talk about how you can increase profit in your pocket and time in your calendar. My name is Carly Fontanelli, and I have successfully scaled my firm so that it doesn't solely rely on me. Now I love teaching other law firm owners how to do the same. Let's transform your business starting now. Welcome to another episode of the Scalable Law Podcast. I am tuning in today from Singapore. I really want to get back in my rhythm of making sure that I have podcasts every single week for you guys. And so I am meeting someone online this morning who's very special and has done some incredible things with her law firm. It's so inspirational that I just had to share it with you. She has created a brand new law firm not that long ago. She's a very entrepreneurial lawyer with lots of ideas on uh, productizing her services as well through online products. And she has created a law firm that's a very niche area of practice. And in the last little while, she has been on a seven-week trip overseas, traveling around, having a fabulous time without working at all. So I think that is just absolutely incredible and something that I know we all aspire to do. Having that kind of freedom where you can travel and you don't have to turn into work is absolutely amazing. So I thought that I would absolutely have to get her on the podcast so that we can share in the inspiration and learn how she did it. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce Kristen Porter. How are you going, Kristen? Oh, I'm fantastic. I've just come back from seven weeks of uh, holidays, so I'm feeling uh, bright and cheery and glad to have my feet back under the desk. That's awesome, and that's exactly why I wanted to have you on the podcast, because what you've been able to achieve in your firm in such a short period of time is so inspirational. Many people can't go on holiday, and we really want to know how you did it. But before we get to that, I'd love to know more about you and your law practice. Well, I'm the. We started uh, Ono Legal. Uh, we are the real estate agents lawyers. We started about three years ago. Um, more didn't plan on starting the firm. It was more out of necessity because I was in house. Um, and I was helping that particular brand, real estate brand I was working for, divest of a lot of assets so they could focus just back to one market. And I had already started building some legal bots on the side, so I had a le- uh, an incorporated legal practice just sitting there, and I thought, well, I can just go and find another job or I can you know, go out and do something on my own, and <clears throat> I'm so glad I did. It was completely un- you know, unplanned. Um but we essentially, we're corporate commercial lawyers and we helped real estate agents to shield their assets, future-proof their relationships with their clients, staff and business partners. We help them expand faster and plan their exit. That's awesome. And so in terms of, I talk about niching a lot and, and you've done that really well. 
How much do you think that has helped your law firm grow? Oh, I attribute most of the growth, I think, to that niching. I had a business coach years ago and they really encouraged me to niche, niche down and I had that scarcity mindset because I'm, I'm based in Canberra, corporate commercial lawyer, have always helped all industries and I had this fear that there just would not be enough work. I thought, well, I might as well give it a go. Um, I'm paying a lot of money for a business coach, so I like to be coachable. So really focused um, on the real estate industry. And because of that focus, it's just made our marketing so much easier, our messaging easier. Our clients often come to us and say, oh, you actually understand our business. Um, even there's there's a lot of lawyers out there that help real estate agents. Mm. Um, it's not rocket science. It's just how we've positioned ourselves, And because of that, then we have industry groups now reaching out to us because they do see us. Oh, you're, you're the people to go to in the real estate space. Um, it's just made life easier. And that's what I suppose from the marketing side, but from the practice side, I don't know if you ever felt like this, Carolee, when you had um, different practice areas in your firm, but I always felt like I was sinking or treading water. Yes, definitely. Um, I was never across it. Yeah, like I was never across any particular subject area that well, even though I was corporate commercial, I still had niched into the practice area. Um, and I'm just not as stressed now, if that makes sense. I'm not always trying to learn a new area, learn a new industry. Um, and that has just helped me with, I suppose, my anxiety more than anything. Yeah, that's it. And also like with your marketing, like you said before, you're then dealing with one type of person. You know, and often industries such as real estate, and we were just talking about it before about lawyers, you know, it attracts a certain type. And so it becomes really easy to then market directly and message directly to their pain points, really, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. It makes it so, so much easier. So when did you start your practice? Walk us through um, when you started it and how you got up and running, because it's always really interesting to hear uh, what people have done to actually get themselves up and off the ground with a new law firm? Yeah, so I I was still in-house when I started. I My intention was just to build some legal bots. I built a bot called Priya Privacy who could assess a data breach um, and help you do the reporting for that. And that was only, that was just going to be a side hustle um, until the group I was working for started to go into a different direction. I um, I had in Canberra in-house roles in the private sector are pretty limited and I had had a couple of jobs in the previous years coming up to that. So it's either go to government, which I'm certainly not a government lawyer, or uh, go back to private practice. And I thought, well, um, like I said, I've got this corporate legal practice sitting there. I've got this free of the privacy bot, um, had nothing to do with real estate. This was just privacy generally and broadly. So that that was about March 2020. Um, we all know what happened in yes. <laughs> March 2020. Um, a week before I was about to launch all of that, we all went into lockdown and I was going to hold it back, but I thought, oh, why not? Just what have I got to lose, right? Um, so launched the firm and honestly, it was probably one of the better things we did launch during COVID because before that, people didn't want to see their advisors online. Um and we're a virtual firm. We've got clients across Australia. Um, and so 
people becoming comfortable with seeing their advisors online, like their lawyers, mm-hmm. uh, has really helped us. Yes, so it could absolutely. have been a different story. Absolutely. I think as well, like COVID gave us plenty of time at home to really sit and think as well, didn't it, about what we really want life to look like? Yeah, absolutely. And I did a fair bit of that. And so then, so that was the March. And then by the October, um, that's when we really niched into the real estate space. And that's when I stepped out of employment um, to focus on on the firm, still helping the group um, that I'd worked for, but really focusing on getting the the firm up and running and, and out there and niche them into the Yeah, awesome. And so you were at that time, you were obviously working from home, your overheads are low, you'd niche down and really worked out who you were targeting. And so how were you targeting those people and getting clients in the door? Um, I started by joining some Facebook groups. There's a lot of Facebook groups for real estate agents and property managers out there, and I befriended some admins in those groups. Um, I started running um, a lot of webinars um, to you know get that valuable information out there to people, but also the personal brand. So looking back, I probably worked very hard on my personal brand, but not realizing even what a personal brand was um, at that point in time. So, yeah, I also reached out um, and started doing some collaborations with uh, real estate industry trainers um, because there's a lot uh, of trainers and coaches in the industry. And I think that's that's really where it started, Um, reaching out to those people, doing joint webinars with them, getting the personal brand out there. And on the back of all of that, building our email list. Um, So we were list building the whole time so we can then nurture those leads over time. Yeah, that's awesome. So you were really doing a lot of kind of free organic marketing, you could say. And because you knew yes. who your niche was so specifically, you were able to really directly target them. Yeah, absolutely. So if we're trying to target all industries, it would be a bit confusing. Where do, where do we start? Um, but because it's the one industry, then it was very, very easy to find where your ideal clients are hanging out. And we did, like you said, the the organic approach for a long time um, and then started, once I had some money in the bank, uh, started some some paid um, paid promotion. Mm -hmm. And some things have worked, some haven't, but I've learned that it's all all a learning curve. But doing a lot of writing um, and blogs for industry publications as well has certainly helped. Yeah, awesome. So so loads of content creation to, you know, create create value to your audience. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and tell us about how many people are now in your firm. Who have you got working for you? Well, I think there's about eight of us. There were more at one point, but I felt, I don't know if you ever felt like this, the firm was growing so quickly. I felt like I was being dragged along the highway, holding onto the you know the back of a ute, screaming down the highway. So I, I pared it back a bit um, to make sure that I had the right systems and processes and procedures and all of that in place. Uh, that's when I I joined the Scalable Business Lounge to help me sort all of that out. Um, and so we're now ready for the next jump, if that makes sense. So we've got I've got three three lawyers. Um, that are on the core staff, and then we've got uh, one or two legal contractors. I've got we've got a graduate who uh, is also our marketing coordinator, so she's a bit of a unicorn. Um, she just graduated from Coms 
and Laura. Oh, awesome. And she's fantastic at both. Uh, yeah, and then we, we have um, a couple of uh, virtual assistants yeah. helping us. So that's awesome. So you've grown the team enough and then you've systemized the team enough to then do something which is really, really brave and that is to take off for seven weeks around the world. I was following you on Instagram, very jealous of all the amazing places you were going to. Um, and your goal was to not actually work at all in the business while you were away. So can you tell us about the dream of doing that and then the, the lead up and how you prepared the firm for that? Yeah, look, I think it all started when I read think it was built to sell. I've read a lot of books. I think built to sell and clockwork and um, knowing that, you know, the business doesn't actually have a huge amount of value when you go to sell it if it's all tied to you, mm-hmm. either you doing the work or the goodwill. And um, I'm I'm wanting to build a valuable asset. I've been very clear about that from the start. Um, and so I think it was built to sell tell, talks about you need to go away for at least four weeks to see if the business can run without you. But obviously before you go, you need to put all the systems and processes in place. Yes. And so I knew I wanted to do it, but I didn't know how to do it. That's when that's when I, I reached out to you, Carolee, and you've helped me with all of that. Um, so essentially I knew what I wanted to do, then learnt how to do it, as in systematise the business and systematise doesn't necessarily mean automation. Um, because systems can be just processes, essentially. I'm a firm believer in systems run the business and then the people run the systems. Yes. So getting all the systems and procedures and SOPs and we started really focusing on what does Kristen touch and what should she actually be touching? Yes. Um, so ran a bit of a time study on that. Um, the other thing we did is... I had a junior leave last year and it's devastated as you always are. However, it opened the door for someone massively amazing to join my team. So I ended up, uh, on your advice, uh, putting a senior on instead of a junior. Yeah. I was a bit worried about the cost, you know, <laughs> covering yeah. the salary yes. and those things, but more than paid for himself. He's the one that ran the systems when I was away. So I think the systems and the people have to be right yes. um, for it to work. And he was absolutely amazing uh, while I was away. So back to your, you said, um, what should Kristen be touching? Um, what do you think you should be touching as the law firm owner in your business? What should you? What should your responsibilities be or what should you be actually doing? Because I think this is something that, you know, I'm talking to loads of law firm owners every single week and they have the absolute belief that um, they need to be doing everything um, in their business. And the reality is, is that you're only one person and there's many seats in your business. Um, so what seats or what things do you believe that you should be touching as a law firm owner? Yeah, and um, as a recovering perfectionist, it's actually really, really <laughs> yeah. hard. I think most of us are, right, um, yeah. in legal land. So I think it also depends on your strengths and what you enjoy doing. So I'll just talk for me. Um, for me, I love actually the lead generation, bringing the clients in, working on the higher-level client relationship. Um, I mean, it is systematised enough that I don't probably have to do that, 
uh, but I enjoy doing that um, and consulting back to the team when they've got industry-specific questions about real estate or kind of coaching them. Um, I actually worked on this all the way and um, my senior and I have sat down and worked out, okay, well, what, what's Kristen going to be doing and what's he going to be doing? Um, so, you know, to elevate him to kind of just run the whole whole yeah. legal side. Yeah. Um, so he'd be in charge. Ta- you'd sense. be sort of, yeah, you're sort of getting him in charge of service um, and so you're not even really required to be running service as such. So are you running files yourself? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> I've given him two weeks off because uh, the brilliant job he did. So I'm covering this week. So I'll be covering for people's leave so people can actually have the, the mental health space. In, in I'm very passionate about yes, that. And yeah. when people have time off, they should have time off. 100%. So yeah. um, my role is also to cover to cover leave. So at the moment, I'm actually the, my junior is running the files at the moment. I'm just supervising when he needs a hand. Um, but... When my senior's back, no, I'm not running any files. So you're not doing any files. What about accounts, for example, accounts or anything to do with that side of thing, that side of your business? Yeah, I mean, I have um, outsourced bookkeeper and accountant and we meet every month. Um, We're just looking at structuring what my senior is going to take over because he's very interested in that kind of finance side, which I'm not fantastic at. It's not my strength. Um, So at the moment... I do, I suppose that all does sit under me, but I would only spend maybe one or two hours a fortnight on that. I should probably do more. Yeah. So, so, so that's the next move is to, to get, get yourself out of the finance seat, you could say, and put someone yes. else in there. So currently you're in the marketing seat. What about operations? Like the little, you know, things to do with IT or whatever's happening in the firm. Yeah, so um, my virtual assistant, she um, would really like to be an OPM, so the, an online business manager, which is in the, you know, a bit like a practice manager but for the digital space. So I'm training her up. Uh, while we're away, um, we onboarded a staff member and that was the first time she did that, so I didn't touch any of that. So we're training her up to take all of that off my plate essentially, and she has been doing it really for the last couple of weeks. That's awesome. And so when you were away for seven weeks, did you have to dip in at all or what were the challenges that you faced while you were away? Um, my challenge was to keep my nose out of it. <laughs> that was my challenge. <laughs> well, it is your baby, right? Because I knew, I knew that if I saw something, I'd go, oh, that'll only take me five minutes or, you know, and I'd just annoy everyone and – you want your team to know that you trust them. And if you're dipping in all the time, you're annoying them, you're making things less efficient. So what we actually did do is set up a completely different email address for me while I was on holidays so that I did not, someone else ran my inbox. It's the first time I've ever had anyone manage my emails. And if I had to see anything, they would send it to my holiday email address. That's awesome. That's really cool. Worked really well. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it worked really well. Yeah. Yeah, I can't help myself. So it's more about me and holding me back. And my biggest, and I knew this would be the biggest thing when I came back, is if the team did something slightly differently to how I would do it, but they didn't burn the house down and it was fine, keep your mouth shut, Kristen. Yes. So that's been, that's my biggest bit. I knew that going into it and coming back. So 
because, you know, you, you can set it up so it all works fine when you're away. But if you come back and braid everyone for doing things slightly differently to maybe how you do it, but client experience was fine, we got paid, all the things, then if you, yeah, if you make comments, then next time you go away, everyone will be too scared to make a decision or too, too scared to do anything without coming to you. So that's my biggest learning opportunity right now. It's, yeah, hold yeah. me back from saying anything. Absolutely. And you're so right because sometimes, you know, we can try and micromanage, um, but then you're not actually empowering your team and they're actually quite capable. And I often say to people when I'm talking to different lawyers is that that your team as a whole in general, most employees really want to be successful and they want to do well for you. They don't want to burn the house down as you as you've called it. Um, and they're mostly actually trying to do their best and taking real pride in the work that they do. You know, and we're so fortunate in the legal profession to have so many incredible people um, that are passionate about the law and that can be very passionate about your business. Uh, and I think that a lot of law firm owners struggle to believe that, but it's, it's true. And again, it's that no, scarcity totally mindset, right. right? Like, you know, or worried, you know, if I'm not there to do it, how will it be done how I want it done? Or if I'm not there to do it, you know, maybe things are going to fail. But I think if you, you give people that trust and empower them to do really good work, you'll be really surprised. And you can micromanage to a degree through your um, systems and processes, Without you yes. actually micromanaging. So, um, because essentially your systems and processes is a, is a guiding light on this is how we do things at our law firm. This is our law firm's way. No, uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And no, the, the team really stepped up and all, um, I was keeping a list of what I had to do when I was away. So I just know for what we had to focus on when we got back and. I did three things. I approved payroll once because my accountant got in a plan and forgot to approve it. Right. So people reached out to me. So that took me a whole two minutes. Um, I approved someone's leave at some point and I found someone a template that they couldn't find um, once. So that, that was it in seven weeks. That's so awesome. And so what does life look like now that you're back and you've proven that well, you your firm doesn't actually need you anymore? <laughs> What does it feel like and what does it look like? Yeah, so there's two things that happened. Um, before I started my firm, I was working four days a week to manage my health. Um, I think I've been working seven days a week for the last three years, as, as you do. Um, so given the, given the firm ran out me for seven weeks, um, I'm going back to four days. I think one day a week will be fine after that. So um, really want to get back on top of my health. So that's one kind of main main thing that's happened. Um, and the other things that have happened is I've started thinking about other businesses I might want to <laughs> launch and build. <laughs> My husband thinks I'm crazy. She's like, oh, God, not again. Um, but that excites me. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think, you know, going away, when you are creative and you're obviously a very entrepreneurial, creative lawyer, uh, when you when you go away, you have all that kind of time where you don't you're not burning brain calories on on everything else, and it's amazing what creativity drops into your head, right? Yeah, yes, absolutely. When I'm 
in Canberra, my creative juices can't flow. So I always go away if I'm designing a new product or doing strategy or anything like that. I usually go to the coast because I love the beach and the water. Um, yeah, and had seven weeks of that. So yeah, that's <laughs> I awesome. think a lot of cool things. That's so awesome. So what's your sort of goal for the firm over the next, um, say, one to three years? Yeah, so to completely get me out of any service delivery um, is the more, that's probably the one-year goal. Um, so I can just focus on what I want to be focusing on and the things I enjoy doing. Um, and the longer goal, that probably the three-year goal, is to get it ready to sell. Um, and then I can choose, because often when, because um, I do a lot of this work in the real estate space, what I find is once you've got it ready to sell, often you actually don't want to because it's running so smoothly, it's clean, it's making a profit. Um, so we'll get to that mark and go, oh, actually, maybe I'll keep it, but it is ready. Um, I think it's good to be sale ready at any time in case an opportunity comes along. So that's our my goal. Yeah, I love that. that. And and you're so right. You know, I've contemplated selling my firm, but it's sort of mm. like, well, why would you when you don't really work in it and it provides you a profit and it doesn't cause you any stress or you know, anything like that. So it's, you know, it it does become a little bit of a, um, is there any point in actually selling it? And I heard this great term the other week, um, which I've sort of been thinking about a lot, and it's the term is business stacking. So if you, um, yes. you know, and so it's stacking profit, right? Because, and not just all from, you know, one business, but several businesses. So you're looking into maybe a second or third business, um, I've got my law firm and now also Scalable Law, which I'm really passionate about because I love helping other law firm owners and, um, and I love seeing success, you know, cause there's, there's so many ways to be a law firm owner and it doesn't have to be the old traditional way. And you've absolutely, you know, proven that. And maybe you and I can both prove that with some business stacking as well, where we have more than, more than one business, more than one law firm, more than one, you know, you know, um, stream of income, which is absolutely like so cool when you think about it. Yeah, that excites me. When you mentioned that term the other day, I was like, oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's really great, isn't it? And if you can create um, a law firm that doesn't require you in it and you're redundant from your law firm, Imagine how simple it is to replicate that in a different type of business as well. And I think it's, you can go into business, um, thinking about not being this actual service provider. Cause I think that's where law firm owners get really stuck. It's, it's because you have the skills and often you, law firm owners never employ people who are better than them at the skill. And then they, they feel really stuck in the actual service providing, which, you know, it, that keeps you in client calls, that keeps you in client, um, you know, initial appointments, getting people over the line. It keeps you really bogged down uh, working as a worker bee rather than working as a CEO of the business. Yes, that getting out of being the technician and elevating yourself up to manager and then the kind of the CEO or, or visionary. And I think a lot of us, feel like if we're not being the technician, that we're not working hard enough or um, whatever, you know, self-talk goes on in your head. Yes. Um, but we can't stay in 
technician mode if we want to grow our business. I mean, we can, then you just need someone else to come in and do the, the growthy bit. If, if, you're, if you're a lawyer that just actually loves being on the tools, well, I suppose you find a business partner that wants to work on all the, the other stuff, the, the lead generation and all of that. Yeah, yeah. I, that would be the ideal outcome, but I act, I don't see that happening very often either, you know. Mm-hmm. And what I do see is I see people in um, in law firms becoming partners of law firms because they want to be in the business side and then because they're a lawyer, they become a partner who then becomes a technician even though there might be promise of, of otherwise. And so, I, you know, while you are a lawyer and you provide those skills in the business and you can bill, it's like the temptation is always there. But I really think as a law firm owner, your hourly rate becomes so much more valuable when you focus on profit, which really I think starts from the very top of the funnel where you're focusing on how many clients do I actually need to get in the door um, to feed my team who are then doing all the work. Um, and creating the actual, you know, cash flow and revenue in the business. Um, so yeah, it is interesting when you actually work out what your hourly rate would be, uh, now versus what your hourly rate is actually on your cost agreement, for example. When you divide your profit by the amount of hours you're working, especially if you take away seven weeks. Oh, definitely. And, um, that's the next focus. So we've got the systems in place now. The next focus is, like you're saying, is profit. And we've just started a time study uh, to work out what are our profitable matter types. Are there matter types that aren't profitable? Can I make it more efficient? Um, if I'm not sure we can and it stresses us out, let's get rid of that service line. Um, so, we're, yeah, we're, we're doing that at the moment. I hate time recording. I promise we'd never yes. do time recording in my firm. But, but you need to um, sometimes to get that data sometimes. right. Yeah, and so what yeah. you're looking at doing is actually niching down even further, potentially, if it makes sense with the data. Yes, absolutely. Or finding ways to make things more efficient, essentially. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, congratulations on all your success. You have done absolutely so well. Um, and, yeah, it's really, really amazing. Uh, I'm always so proud of anyone who's in the Scalable Business Lounge who embraces all the work and then actually gets incredible results like you have got um, because, yeah, it takes bravery, right, to to trust the process, but it, but it works. And um, if any real estate agents are on here listening to you and they want to find you, where would they do that? I'll book. The easiest easiest place is probably our website, which is onolegal.com.au. Uh, we've got a book a free 10-minute chat uh, button right up the top of the uh, website and you can just book straight into our diary and have, have a chat. Otherwise, um, Ono Legal or Kristen Porter can be found on um, most of the social channels. Awesome. And where's your next holiday and how, where, how long are you going to go for? Have you got holiday goals? Oh. <laughs> if you're anything <laughs> like me, you're planning the holiday the before you leave, before you get yep. home. <laughs> yeah, I've got a, a few short little ones um, coming up within the next kind of two months. Um, got a, quite a few family things on. So um, actually coming up to the Gold Coast, up to the warm. Um, but no planning stages at, at, at the moment. <laughs> trying to work out where I want to go next. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, lovely chatting to you. And um, yeah, it's been awesome having you on. Thanks so much for coming. 
Well, that is all from me today. That was such a great interview. I really am inspired myself by um, what a go-getter Kristen is and how she's just making it work for herself and, um, and you know, creating a firm that really works for her and not where she's working for it. So if you would love to join the Scalable Business Lounge, I would love to have you in there. You can head on over to scalablelaw.com. You can fill out an application form or you can hop on a call with me and we can chat it through. All right, that's all from me this week and I um, will enjoy logging on with you next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Scalable Law Podcast brought to you by the Scalable Business Lounge. If you would love to know how you can get more clients without relying on referrals, head over to scalablelaw.com to watch my free masterclass. Until next time, you have got this. Oh,